All right. Well, good evening. Oh, man, you adults let those kids put you to shame. You can do better than that. Let's try that again. Good evening. Oh, that's so much better. We're thrilled that you're here at our Wall Ridge Baptist Church Youth Camp Camp Service. We're excited for what the Lord's going to do. Now, if you didn't know we was doing this tonight, you're probably looking around saying, one, boy, T-shirts evidently go over well at this place. Amen. And then you're too probably thinking, these people might be crazy, amen. And uh, you're sort of right on both accounts because uh, we are celebrating our camp week and what God did in our life. And so what we always try to do is give the church a little bit of taste of what it's like uh, up at church camp. So uh, I had Brother Don crank the heat up to 85 degrees. And uh, we've actually released uh, several containers of mosquitoes into the room and... Uh, it's going to be great. So we're excited about what God is going to do this evening. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different of a service. Uh, we're going to have uh, camp singing. We're going to have testimonies. And uh, then I've got a message that God's laid on my heart for our camp kids. And I hope you church people will get in on it as well. Amen. So we're looking forward to it. Let's begin with a word of prayer. And then Brother Seth is going to lead us in a congregational song. Let's begin with a word of prayer tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done already. And we trust that you're going to continue to move and work. Lord, I don't ever consider camp done until after this service tonight. And so we're still praying for you to do a work in the hearts of these young people. Lord, not just in them, everybody in this room, we're desiring for you to do a work in us. So I pray that you'd stir our hearts and I pray that you'd be pleased with everything that's done tonight. Lord, we love you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Brother Seth, you come lead us. Let's sing 317. 317 in your red book. Let's all stand. Love lights the way. I've left the old paths I traveled so long. I'm happy, redeemed, and free of Jesus the Lord. I sing a sweet song. His love lights the way for me. His love lights the way. Shouting the victory, my sadness is past. I'm happy at last, his love lights the way for me. The pleasures of sin no more I desire, no good in them now I see. The Spirit has set my being on fire. His love lights the way for me. His love lights the way I travel today. I'm shouting the victory. My sadness is past. I'm happy at last his love lights the way for me each trial or come add strength to my soul and faithful i'll ever be the billows of grace now over me roll his love lights the way for me his love lights the way I travel today, I'm shouting the victory, 
my sadness is past. I'm happy at last. His love lights the way for me. quietly there if you're going to be a part of our camp choir and what that's for camp workers and campers we're going to sing that third verse one more time and i want you to be making your way up into our choir loft brother Seth's going to lead us in that third verse once more if you're a camper or camp worker want to be a part of our camp choir testimonies things like that you be coming up while we're singing that third verse again each trial Trial or come add strength to my soul and faithful I'll ever be. The billows of grace now over me roll. His love lights the way for me. His love lights the way I travel today. I'm shouting the victory. Love lights the way for me. Amen. You may be seated. All right, Miss Leah. All right. Give me some camp here on that green microphone. Well, um, now it's on. Uh, it was a great time at camp. Y'all scooch in together. We got plenty of room. Scooch quite. You don't have to just sit one to a chair. We can get several on there. Go ahead, scooch in. <laughs> we had a great group of young people and adults up there this week, and God just really blessed us tremendously. Um, we're going to sing um, one of our songs, which is uh, that we were learning a, a scripture song called Be Ye Steadfast, Unmovable. And we had that verse in our lessons this week. Uh, during the morning for our kids. So it was something that they were learning and that they can keep in their hearts for the rest of their life here and use it as they go on. All right, everybody stand up. sit down it's y'all know it's glory 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 somebody touched me we want all of y'all to participate as well in this but something happened this week at camp when we were singing it and I noticed that when we sang it was on a Sunday we had a couple stand up and it was on a Monday we had a few more stand up and it was on a Tuesday we had a couple stand up and then when we sang it was on a Wednesday just about the just about all the kids stood up that they got saved on a Wednesday at church. Amen. And it just 
really encouraged me and smote my heart just how important that midweek service is. And we take it for granted and think, oh, it's just the, that it's not that important. It's in the middle of the week and I can go from Sunday to Sunday or just Sunday morning to Sunday morning. But it just shows how not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together really paid off. Those kids, the majority of them got saved on a Wednesday. So I changed the words to the song and we're going to sing about certain uh, services. We're going to say it was at church camp. And if you got saved at a church camp, whether this year or in years past, you're going to stand up and stay standing. And then we're going to sing it was at VBS. And if you got saved at a VBS with this church or some other church, you're going to stand up and keep standing. And we're going to sing it was at revival. So whatever revival you were at, if you got saved then, it was on a Wednesday evening. You're going to stand up and keep on standing. It was on a Sunday morning. You're going to stand and stand up. And it was on a Sunday evening. And then for those of us who we didn't get saved on church day, like me, I was six years old. I was brought up in a Christian home and the uh, the Holy Ghost hand touched my heart one day. It was in the spring. I remember the leaves were real green. All the, the uh, flowers had fallen off the trees and it was raining and I was lying in my bed and the Holy Ghost convicted me and showed me that I was lost and I was a sinner and that all I had to do was confess that I was a sinner to Jesus and ask him to be my savior. And I did that and he saved me that time. And it was just another day. So we're going to sing, it was just another day. Somebody touched me. And if that happened to you, you were at your work, you were just at home, you were at school some other day, it was just another day, but Jesus touched me. And then at the end of that, we're going to sing, it became a special day that somebody touched me. So we're going to get started right now. Church camp. It was at a church camp, somebody touched me. It was at a
sing one more song. Grab your red back in front of you. Turn to page 96. If y'all are wondering what's wrong with my voice, I sang it out this week. <laughs> page, I need a hymn book. I ain't got one. And I'll go ahead and just give a brief testimony first before passing it off. Just how much this week meant to me uh, in my Christian walk. You know, it was a little bit different this year. We had four say, which is amazing. But we got to looking around and we noticed that the majority, the vast majority of the kids were our kids from Wall Ridge Baptist Church. And that was really encouraging. And so it kind of morphed into this more on just living for the Lord and how we can continue on when we go out into this world. And, you know, it was it was something that really I got to spend a lot of time with the the teen girls and and just share with them some of my life and, and some of the things that God has done in me and encourage them to start now to set their path and decide who they're going to be when they're adults and what kind of Christian woman they're going to be. And I was just really blessed this week by that seeing all those girls we gave testimony on friday night and over and over again i heard the teen girls saying you know this really helped me draw closer to the lord this week i I feel like my personal life got closer and i learned more about jesus and who he is and that was just really encouraging to hear those teen girls say that and 
how they've got more of a burden to win lost souls. So that was really, really exciting and just a, an amazing blessing. And thank you to the kitchen workers who fed us all week and all the people who helped clean and keep things tidy. This was the cleanest year we've had at camp, I think. <laughs> and that was just really amazing uh, that we had so many people up there helping and working and um, praying and, and just, it was it was really amazing. So that that's kind of my testimony. You want next? I'm not going to give a word of testimony, but I'm going to remind all the campers of the responsibility of having a microphone in your hand. All right. So we're going to do testimonies. We'll start at one end. Couple thing, campers. One, keep it brief, please, because there's a bunch of people up here too. Not the time to uh, to test out your stand up comedy skills. All right. Um, and let's make sure that uh, we're talking about what we're actually rejoicing in, all right, and and the goodness of the Lord and what he's done in our life. Y- young person, if you don't feel like speaking, some people get mic shy, that's okay. You just pass it on. You don't have to say anything, but you're welcome to do so. So I'm going to begin down here with Brother Fred, and I'm going to give it to him and uh, let him say a word. I'm Fred Tippins, and uh, it was a pleasure to serve the Lord uh, with Walridge Baptist church up at a youth youth camp this year and uh it's just it's such an honor you know i mean i'm just completely unfit for what we were doing up there but the lord blesses you and gives you the words to say and and brings together testimonies and bible verses and 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 things you can share with the children and and uh several children came to me and the lord had already prepared my heart and it was sections of scripture i already knew and had been studying and just the way he he way he orchestrates everything and works all things together for good that the children would be well trained in the fear and admonition of the lord it was such a blessing and 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 a, and an honor and i i praise the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ for all that he did up there. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't just salvations. I mean, a lot of people are asking how can they be better witnesses and what can they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This That's big things. And so I'm very excited um, at how it went, and I praise the Lord Jesus. Uh, this, this was my first time to visit at the camp. I had a, more than a wonderful time these uh teenagers and young children, just to see God working within them was a blessing to me. Um, and I, I've never experienced anything as wonderful as that. It's when you see God working in these children, not only did they have the Lord there with them, I know they, take, they took the Lord Jesus' name, they took it with them. I'll tell you one thing that's just absolutely wonderful about camp. It's it's also everything that's wonderful about Jesus Christ. He's wonderful. And we had a wonderful time at camp because we were we were having a wonderful time in the Lord. We had a wonderful time of fellowship. I know a lot of people talk about, it. yeah, yeah, we get tired. Yeah, it gets a little hot, froze us out at night. Okay, it got cold, got down to 49 degrees one night. But you know what? Mine has well been a vacation for me. I got to, you know, this world out here, that's Babylon. Hey, there's wickedness out there. And we got to take a break from that. It was refreshing because Jesus is refreshing. And I was refreshed by these other counselors. I was refreshed by these these kids. Hey, your kids are refreshing. When, when, when we're meeting in Jesus and we're having a good time in the Lord, hey, out of the mouth of babes, sometimes they just come up to you and they'd have something just just appreciative 
of, of just a devotion that you gave. And that, that is a wonderful encouragement. Your kids were an encouragement this week. Uh, and it was wonderful to be with them and um, very thankful. I hope you'll send them next year. Wait, hey, I hope you'll come up and visit next year. I hope you'll come up and want to be a part of this because it's wonderful. We have a wonderful Savior that wants to do wonderful things in your life. Hey, just 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 come on, come on and be with it. Don't be afraid of, of mosquitoes. They they were fine. It was fine. We had a great time. Hi, I'm Hannah. If you don't know me, this is my tenth camp. So I started out as a high schooler. And now I'm married with two kids and a baby. <laughs> Super crazy life changes um, since. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so um, honestly, the, the Lord really had to work on my heart coming into this year of camp because it was very different compared to any other year for me. Um, he had to show me that I've got to be humble and flexible this year. Um, and he really did help me to do that. And uh, it was a blessing to be with Miss Joy in her cabin, and we are very thankful that she let us intrude upon her <laughs> peace and quiet. Um, and, yeah, I still was able to teach Bible lessons in the mornings and um, just kind of catch up with some of these kids that have been coming year after year. And just watching them grow up is really fun, and watching them uh, become counselors, too, after teaching them when they were in middle school and even earlier than that. Um, and just, yeah, having my family up there is, it's a different dynamic and it's really awesome. Um, yeah. Hi guys, I'm Nicole and I had the youngest set of girls this week, which people are like, oh my goodness, such a mess. No, they are a blessing. Um, it's an understatement how much they, you can watch the, little seeds growing and because I have a 16 year old now I've seen those little seeds growing into trees and watching her and Callie this I don't think they understand the blessings they are to my heart too. have watched them grow and such young women now and such a blessing and I just want to thank God that we were able to be here because being on the moon in Raleigh now but um it was such a blessing to be here and I just want to thank all of you all so much This was my second year being a co-counselor. Last year I was over the teenage boys, and this year I was over a bunch of littler kids. And it's been a blessing this week to be able to all of these little kids watching the uh, Lord work in their hearts. This was my third year being a counselor. I actually ended up with, like, being just by myself the first night, and I'm very thankful for the two counselors that were able to come in and help me out throughout the week. Um, I also got thrown into teaching. And I've always wanted to be a teacher. That's actually what I'm in college for right now. But it definitely helped me realize that I can not only teach them in a school setting, but also the Bible to them. Um, I'm just thankful to be able to come up here. This would be my ninth year, I guess. And I'm, we're from Georgia, so we try to make sure we come here every year. Huh? My name is Emily, or Miss Emily to these little girls. <laughs> but every year I've been with these little girls. I think some of them I've had every single year in my cabin. So it's been great to see them grow. My name is Aaron, and I've been coming here for three years, and this year I've been paying more attention to the lessons in 
service, and I've been trying my hardest not to fall asleep like I did last year. <laughs> and I've been with Miss Emily each year, and it's been really nice this week to be with the Lord, and I just like this week a lot. My name is Sybil, and... My name is Mackenzie, and I really enjoyed being at camp this year, and this has been my first year being a camper, and I really enjoyed being with Miss Nicole. She's been really fun, and it's been really great being at camp. My name's Carrie, and uh, me and my wife have been doing camp since 2012, and uh, I got to have the uh, teenage boys again this year. They were very well behaved. They were a blessing to have, and uh, I think what really blessed me this year was being able to serve beside of, uh, of Jordan, who was a co-counselor with me in my cabin, um, getting to know him a little bit better, and then also um, getting to spend some time with Brother Zach, who's, who's been preaching. I don't think he's here tonight because he's preaching somewhere, but um, just being able to see young men come in and, and, uh, and serve alongside is, is a wonderful blessing, and and um, these teenage boys, they were great. They wanted, they said at the beginning of the week, they wanted to learn more of God's word and take that with them. And we really pressed that upon them um, throughout the devotions in, in uh, each night that the importance of once they leave camp is to stay in God's word. Keep keep reading God's word. Keep praying, talking to the Lord. And, and uh, as usual, God showed up and blessed, and it was a wonderful time in the Lord. Very thankful for it. I am Callie, and every year at camp, it's so refreshing because, like they've said, we live in such a bad world, but here, it's none of that is here. So it's such a blessing, and I've grown up here, so all of these people, I love them so much. So, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Farah. This is my eighth year, and what Callie said and like it's just you don't realize what wonderful bliss it is being up there it doesn't matter if you're hot and sweaty it, it doesn't matter at all it's just it's so wonderful to be around people who to worship with them and see the little <laughs> these little girls and boys just singing along and worshiping God it's it's amazing to see and yeah and I I love camp so much and I'm sad it's over. <laughs> My name is Michaela. Um, I've been going to camp for a while now. Um, like everybody said, camp was wonderful. Um, and I think for me, the reason why it was so fun was because all the distractions was away. We didn't have our cell phones. We didn't have the bad influences. We have godly Christians around us we have services every day we had devotions we had classes all that is what made it wonderful god made it wonderful hi my name is shiloh this is my second year being a camper and miss emily did a very good job teaching classes and she really blessed god bless my heart this year meeting a camper and such a blessing that Henley got to come up and be a camper too. And this was her first year. 
and we had so much fun together, and it was a great time. My name is Carly Wilson, and I loved camp this year. It was one of my favorite years. Um, I just loved being in the service. I loved the sports. I loved meeting new friends. I just loved it this year. Hello, my name is Phoenix, and um, I like to say my friend Dominic came up this year, got saved. And I'm just so glad that he got to get come up there and get saved. We got him to come the Sunday before camp. Also, uh, I'll, I really love this year because four people got saved. And other people that never gone here um, went up here to church camp, and I'm glad they came. And I'm Taylor Doss. I've been doing camp since 2017. Um, every year's great. Uh, this past year, I went there with the mindset of I'm not going to get in a bad mood on Wednesday because that's what happens. <laughs> so uh, the Lord helped me through that, and I got through all that. I stayed stayed good, high flying all week. Um, I had the little boys. I had phoenix and colt and gabe and isaiah and uh nolan and dominic and um they were really good it's my first year with the younger kids uh just i usually had a wide range so it's my first year to get focused on them and it's a whole different experience when it's just seven to nine year olds and you don't got a little older one in there jacob helped out really good and um we had good devotions and everything uh, the biggest blessing to me was watching so much of my my blood family up there this year. It was the first year for that. And then also these little boys uh, can look up to all these teen boys right here. And they they played with them just as easily as they played with each other. And you don't get that out in the world. And uh, that was a big blessing to me. They can look up to me all they want to, and I just tell them how bad I am. So... <laughs> So, uh, but the team boys are a good godly example here, and they really showed that to all of the the boys. I don't know about the girl side. They Farah is always good, Callie's always good, but you can't give them too much praise because they're girls. So. <laughs> this year was my first year of being a camper, and when I was at VBS on Thursday, I pray I prayed to the Lord that I got saved, and. I, and um I was in my dad's cabin this year and I pray that um my dad could take care of me one night and Jacob did a good job being a co counselor. My name is Aiden. Uh this is my seventh year at camp and Thursday was probably one of the best preaching nights that I've had in a long time. Toby had preached a really good message, and God really spoke to me that night. And I had went to the altar and had prayed, and I had went back to my seat, and he kept talking to me. So I had to I kept praying and everything after the 
service was over, I went back to the teen cabin and we prayed some more. And yeah, that was probably the best night that I had in a while. Uh, I'm Chris. I've been going to camp for a, a long time. Uh, I was saved in one of my first years back in 2013 on a Wednesday. Um, definitely my favorite memory I have. This year was wonderful, as always. Uh, we had four young ones get saved. That's that's such a blessing. I'm very thankful for all these people. And uh, as others said, it's a great spiritual uh, refreshment and reset, uh, being surrounded by people who love God um, for a whole week. You don't get it. you don't get that out in the world. Um, as Carrie was saying, one of the things uh, we focused on was uh, as teenagers was bringing uh, the Word of God out of camp, continuing our journeys as Christians uh, out in the world. I'm very thankful for. Uh, you know, the words that he gave us. And uh, I'm thankful for God, first and foremost. Thank you. Hi, my name is Elizabeth. This was my first year at camp, and um, it was really good. Um, I could get away from some of the craziness in our house, and... Um, it was really fun, and I liked it a lot, and I really want to come back next year. Hi, my name is Sawyer. I was saved when I was about four years old. It was on Friday, and I would just like to say I think that my counselors, Brandon and Stephen, just did a wonderful job. They helped support all of the young boys in my cabin, and I just would just... I just love the prayer. I mean, I just love the services this year. And I just thought it was all great, like it always is. And, well, that's all I really got to say. My name's Lawrence. I was saved on a substitute for camp since we couldn't do it that year. On a, I was saved on a Tuesday. He, um, Uncle Gary was preaching at, I think it was called a youth me- meeting. I was seven years old, and I got saved that, that day, and I was really happy, and it's one of my best memories ever. And I'm really thankful for camp this year, <clears throat> and I'm thankful for my counselors, my family, and my friends, and that's all I have to say. Hi, my name is Ryan. This is my fifth year being a camper, and I just want to say thank you to all the workers, the counselors, the cooks, for everything they did. I just want to say thank you for letting me come. It was a great time. My name's Christian, and I'm thank- and I'm thankful for God dying on the cross for all of our sins. I'm Tracy, and um, I have been coming up to camp in one form or another since 2011, and um, I I dropped to 
my oldest daughter off in 2011. Uh, we just found out that we were expecting Sawyer. And the next year I came back with baby Sawyer and baby Lily in tow. And uh, I think I've been staying up there all week ever since then. Um, this was the first year I think that I didn't have any, uh, any kids to be responsible for. Even I've not been a counselor, but I've had kids stay in my cabin when we've not had room and have been kind of making sure they were where they were supposed to be at night and everything. Um, I'm the craft coordinator and, um, there were times this year that I loved being up there, but I, you know, it was tempting for the, the devil to say, you're not really helping much. You're just up here making stuff and doing crafts. And, um, and I realized as I'm doing these crafts, these kids, they're coming through and I, I've ha- I heard them say things like, I've got all my bracelets from every year. I've got all my necklaces and stuff hung on a mirror. And I, it, it really brought home to me that's why we do that, because we want these kids to have something physical to be able to carry on their body or into their home for the rest of the year to look at it and bring them back to those those moments when they spent that time with those people who loved them and took care of them. Um, it was such a blessing to me to hear the teen boys sing. Um, I've been a lot of camp services over the years since I was a kid even you know at my church growing up and here and it's not that common to have a group of guys teen boys stand up and sing and some of uh, especially some of our teen boys but all of these kids some of them have had some real brokenness to deal with in the 350 odd days since they were last with us and it just makes my heart swell to see these boys growing and serving the lord and standing up and being an example to these smaller kids um they could be forgiven for saying, man, it's just too tough right now. But they didn't do that. Um, they have leaned into the love that God has for them. Um, I didn't have little kids up there this year. I've had campers. Sawyer's is 11 and Lily is 13. But I didn't have little bitty kids this year. Um, my grandson, Billy, he stayed home with 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 his granddad this year. And that was a blessing <laughs> because he's all over the place right now. But there were lots of little babies up there, and it was a blessing to me to see how people um, really came together as a village. You know, I, people who would, you know, they're they're pushing Kelsey around in her stroller. They're bouncing William so that moms can do the things that they need to do. They can play the piano and sing. They can teach classes. Um, we got to have Jeanette and her boys up here with us this year. We really miss them. And um, people were, you know, putting together, you know, Dalton and Claire and Sco and taking care of them. And and um, it was a blessing to see that kind of service. That's the quiet service that, that goes unnoticed a lot of times. But that makes a lot of the other service that's that's more prominent possible. And along those same lines, our kitchen workers, if you've not been to camp, you don't know, especially if you've not been to camp and you're not a mom, you don't know what it means to not have to think about dinner or breakfast or fix that, to be able to just go up there and do what God has for you to do and to know that that stuff is taken care of. And these people work so hard and are so consistent every year, and they do it with love and joy in their heart. And it has it has always just been such a blessing. We have really missed Richard this year. Um, he was just the backbone of our camp. And, and if you look at the back of our shirts, we've got a, a tribute to Richard. Um, but, you know, he put a lot of love and a lot of work in building a strong camp foundation, and you could feel him in the bones of that. Um, so many times we, we laughed and talked about, you know, things, that, you know, memories we had of him up there, and I, I know that he is 
proud in heaven of the job that everyone is doing to come together and love on these kids and to love on each other. Um, and I think that we've honored him in that. And uh, I'm just so grateful to get to be a part of it every year. I was doing so good till she mentioned Richard. <laughs> um, this is my, we've been coming since what, 2011? My name's brother Brandon. Uh, this year I had um, nine, ten-year-old boys, but they were all our boys. These are boys I've watched grow up. My son was included in that in that mix. I remember when all of them were born. And it's amazing what God's done for these boys in the eight, nine, nine, ten years that they've been around. Coming to camp up with mama every night and then going home and now they're staying at camp and they're giving testimonies. It's what our camp's for. It's what our camp's about. But we, we, uh, we get so caught up in our day to day lives. 365 days in a year, we take one week out for the Lord at our camp. That's less than 2% of your year. It's so worth it. It's hot. It's sticky. This year it was Hot and cold. Right. You, you crawl down the bottom of your sleeping bag and pray God gets you through the night. Um, but every one of my boys had a testimony of salvation because of VBS, because of camp, because of mamas and daddies who take them to church, because of mamas and daddies who teach them about Christ. My son is included. Every time we do glory, 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 I see my son and my daughter stand up. Now our slogan is, we going to meet a big God at Big Ridge. He is a big God. And he didn't have to do what he did, but he did. He's so thankful. Uh, my name is Miss Melissa, and I think it's really unfair that I have to go last all the time. <laughs> Because they get me all emotional, and then I have to to get through my testimony without breaking down too. Um, but I I love camp. We you know like you said we've been going up since 2011. Um, it's it's amazing to get to watch these kids grow up at camp because um, we have a lot of our kids, but we also have kids from other churches that come that we only get to see for maybe this one week of camp, maybe vacation Bible school. Um, but it's such a blessing to watch them grow and to see them come back year after year. I mean, Emily, little Emily, she's not so little anymore. I mean, she's still short, but she's she's growing up. She's well, getting older. Not going up anymore. Sorry, Emily. I love you, but you're just going to be short. Um, but uh, she was in my cabin when when she was a count or when I was a counselor starting off. And Ashlyn, she's not here tonight, but she was in my cabin her first year at camp too. And um, and they're counselors now, and they're filling those roles that I can't be in now because I have little ones that aren't of camp age yet um, with William and Clara. And, um, but it's amazing to see them come back and they want to be a help and they want to be involved in this week of camp because it's made such a difference in their lives and they see how they can help make a difference in little kids' lives even today. And so it's a, it's a blessing to see those people come back. You know, we had, um, Jeanette and her boys came back from Louisiana, um, to be here for camp. We had Jack and Vanessa who used to be members here who came back. Um, we had Dr. Uh, Dr. Jessica who, um, is in Georgia now, but she came back for camp and it's such a blessing to just see these people that want to be involved. 
involved that travel hours and hours and spend money and take their vacation time to be involved in a camp that's not even their church anymore. Um, but that's because God does such a work there. And it's so amazing to be part of the work that God does there. And um, a special blessing to me as a musician is to hear these kids sing at camp. And it's, they are singers, let me tell you. When we sing in those singing competitions, it's no joke. Those kids take it seriously. My eardrums tell me that every day when I leave there. There's ringing in my ears constantly now, but I love it. And even when we're not in there singing for organized singing time, just walking into the mess hall and hearing the kids singing and clapping and praising the Lord and raising their hands and being blessed by the music. And it's such a blessing to my heart, specifically as a musician, to hear these kids love the Lord and to sing worship and praise to our Savior and to to see that they mean it. When you're looking at, at camp, the keyboard is facing everybody. So I can see everyone's faces when they're singing. And it's such a blessing to watch their faces and to see the joy on their faces, the joy that the Lord is giving them through praise and worship. And I I mean, not praise and worship. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. I'm going to get kicked out. But to see the way that they're worshiping our Savior through song. And I'm so thankful. It's it's such a blessing, especially during invitation time for me to be up there at the keyboard, to see these kids and to see the Holy Spirit working on their hearts and to see how tender they are to get up as soon as as he calls for invitation they get up out of their seats and they get down at the altar and when they get done praying they reach over to their friends and start praying with them it's such a blessing if you haven't been up there you need to come up and see it we say that every year but the Lord will touch your heart just by seeing these tender hearts, these kids. And the devil is after children these days. He is so after these kids. We see it every day. We see it every year. New things targeted towards children that's trying to get them out, that's trying to get them away from the church, that's trying to get them away from Jesus, trying to draw them out. And it's so important to make sure that your kids are in church, that they are listening to good godly music, that they have good godly friends, that they are in church i mean really we said the importance of a wednesday night service having kids have their hearts tender because they're hearing that message on sunday morning sunday night sunday school wednesday night vacation bible school camp because our kids are our future and the devil will do everything he can to try to get them away from us and from him so we need that we need jesus in our homes we need jesus in our the forefront of our kids minds and i'm so thankful for our church and the vision they have for children and the heart that we have for calling children to camp and making sure that it's affordable for everybody to be there making sure that we have workers there who are invested in their in their children and i'm so thankful for our church for that Yep, we're gonna have we're gonna have our teens, the girls and the boys come down to sing. Yeah, Melissa, you want to play "God's Not Dead" just while everybody goes down? Teen boys and teen girls.
more special tonight. The yes, the Sumner family plus Callie, I believe it was. That's right. That's the band. young people. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here with us tonight. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in our camp this past week. He's been so gracious to us. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit of how I do camp, 
All right. Um, normally, as the as the camp pastor, I I go up and I've got a folder full of sermons, uh, most of which I've preached in the past year, and I've I've prayed over that and and asked God to guide me and direct me. And I'll go up there. I'll have a whole stack of sermons. And then when I get up there, I begin to pray and ask the Lord's mind on what He'd have me to preach to the young people. And uh, invariably, there's always sermons I wish I could preach to them that there's just not time enough to preach. I mean, there's always, when I'm up there preaching, I'm always like, well, I'm going to preach this one on, on Monday, and normally it's a very clear gospel message. I want to lay a foundation of the gospel in the hearts of the young people. Uh, and then there will be things I want to pray, uh, you know, preach about being consecrated. I want to preach about giving your life to Christ. I want to preach about the dangers of sin. And there'll always be one or two sermons at the end of the week that I'm like, man, I, man, I should have preached at them another three or four times. Amen. I should have, I should have just grabbed them and said, sit down. We're going to have church again. Amen. There's, there's always just a few sermons that I have on my heart. And this was a message that I hated. I did not get to preach to the young people. And I want to share it with you tonight. We've got most of our campers here with us this evening. And and this is the message that God has laid on my heart. John chapter number 6 tonight. John chapter number 6. Let me, as you turn there, say a big thank you from this pastor's heart to all of our camp workers. And um, me and my wife, we were talking about how different ministries do camp. We were driving around yesterday and, and we were just talking about how camps run and different ways that camps operate. Let me say I believe in our camp and I believe our camp does things right. In fact, I'm going to say I believe our camp is the greatest camp to ever camp. Uh, and I mean, listen, every crow thinks their crow's the blackest. I mean, if we didn't feel that way, we ought to go home. But it really, it warms my heart. You know, we're not professional camp workers. Uh, nobody's paid to be up there. Uh, we're, we're not up there, you know, uh, with, 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 you know, uh, people that have, have trained and, and that's what they do and they're making a salary and things like that. We're church folks. We're just people who have a heart to reach these young people for Christ. And everybody that's up there is up there because they have a heart for the young people. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons God blesses our camp. Uh, nobody's up there just because it's a paycheck. Nobody's up there just because that's what you do. Uh, we're up there because we believe that God loves these young people and wants to reach them. And so let me say thank you to all those that labored and made our camp possible. It is not an, an overstatement to say that our camp could not happen without the dedication, service, and sacrifice of Wall Ridge Baptist Church. And uh, I appreciate so much, not just the church footing the bill, and there's always a pretty good bill for camp, but not just footing the bill, uh, but filling the roles and praying. And even those of you that couldn't be there, but you stayed back here and, and you held our arms up in prayer and, and you labored on our behalf, it couldn't have happened without you. And my heart is warmed and blessed by your investment in uh, the work of the gospel and in the lives of these young people. John chapter number 6, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. John chapter 6, verse number 1, we'll read down to verse number 13. We'll get to find out if it's if it's the geographic location that makes me a better preacher at camp, amen. Or maybe, I said this morning it was the listeners, I guess we'll find out tonight, amen. John chapter number 6, verse number 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. In the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up His eyes and saw a great company come unto Him, He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread 
that these may eat. And this he said to prove him. Notice this, young people, this next phrase, for he himself knew what he would do. Let me just pause there and say, God always knows what he's doing. Even when you don't know what he's doing in your life, God knows what he's doing in your life. And even when you can't see that there's a way, God knows there's a way. And even when you can't see what the plan is, God knows what the plan is. And oftentimes when He asks you, hey, son, what's your plan? It ain't because He don't have a plan. It's that He wants you to realize you don't have a plan. And His plan's better than your plan. Amen? And so He says, you know, when shall we buy bread? He said this to prove Him, for He Himself knew what He would do. Philip answered Him, two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Now, you might ask yourself, Preacher, why'd they go find this boy if what he had wasn't enough? They didn't go find him. He went and found them. And he said, Hey, I'm here to, I'm here to contribute. Amen. Uh, he came, he showed up for dinner on the grounds, and he's going to have dinner on the grounds whether anybody else was ready or not. Amen. And he shows up and he says, Here is my lunch. Do with it what you can. Andrew says, But what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. We often call this the feeding of the 5,000, but it wasn't a men's meeting that day. It was whole families. And there's a good likelihood 20, 25, 30,000 people could have been on that hillside on that day. And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, He said unto His disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. We'll stop there and pray. Lord, I love you tonight. I pray you'd work in our hearts. I pray you'd be glorified in everything that's said, everything that's done. I pray your will and way would be accomplished tonight in our hearts. And I pray that once again, Lord... You've done it so many times. God, we ask you to do it again and meet with your people and stir our hearts. And Lord, rest unto, unto yourself our souls and our hearts and our minds once again afresh and anew that you may be pleased. Lord, I love you and I ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages in the entirety of the Word of God. I don't know where or how old I was the first time that I heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000. But growing up in the house of God, my guess is that I was probably young enough to even be able to remember, or too young to even be able to remember, the first time I would have heard this story. And no doubt you, if you've grown up in church, from the very earliest memories you have of sitting in a Sunday school class, of sitting in a children's church, of learning from flannel graphs, somebody say amen to that, you probably were taught about the feeding of the 5,000. But one of the reasons I love this passage of Scripture is it's not just a story to entertain children in a Sunday school class. It's a real historical, factual event and miracle that our Lord and Savior performed by His power and by His grace. And, and I, I, just, I love it so much because every time I go back to it, God shows me something afresh and anew in it. And every time I go back to it, I see where God has the ability to take a small amount an insignificant amount and make much out of. I want to preach to you on this thought tonight. Little is much 
when God is in it. I tell you, we've seen God do some amazing things this past week. And if I'm be honest, in the world's eyes, what we did up at Camp this week is a small thing. The world didn't take note of it. They didn't run no articles in the New York Times. Uh, they that, Not that they would anyway. Somebody say amen. The, hey, listen, the local news didn't come by with cameras and film what went on. They, they didn't care. They didn't broadcast our preaching out on the radio. The world did not take much note of what took place this past week at Big Ridge State Park. But can I tell you that heaven took note of it? Can I tell you the Lord noticed what God did in that place? And God took note of, of the hearts, little hearts, small hearts, hearts that relative to the big problems of this world must seem minuscule and must seem insignificant. A big God took those little hearts and began big works in His world this week. See, when I look at this passage of Scripture, it reminds me of what God can do with these young people if they'll only, like this little lad, bring the lunch of their life put it in the hands of Jesus, and allow Him to do more with it than they ever could. This passage, in many ways, provides us a glimpse of the world around this lad, the world that this lad was living in and was watching all around him. And, you know, when we think about that, it sort of reminds me that the crowd on this day is in many ways a parallel for the world that we live in. We have these sort of rosy perspectives of Scripture. But this would have been a seething and teeming mass of humanity. Helpless, hopeless, clamoring around, needing someone to lead them, someone to guide them. So much so that time and again our Lord, when He looked over Israel, He uh, he described them as being a a, a sheep without a shepherd, of being a flock uh, without a leader, without a guide, without a protector, without a helper. And when He looks out on this mass of people. Uh, The Bible tells us he was moved with compassion when he saw them. This was not a beautiful and put together group of people that day, but this would have been this teeming mass of helpless humanity. You know, it reminds me of the world that we're living in today, because in many ways the world around us has the same problems that this crowd had on this day. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, notice number one, that we live in a hurting world. The Bible says in verse 2, that a great multitude followed him. Why did they do that? Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Now, in Matthew's account, it's said in very certain terms. But let's just ask this simple question. Why would you go around uh, following somebody that can heal the sick unless you yourself were sick? Right. And Matthew tells us that Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude in Matthew 14 and was moved with compassion toward them, and He healed their sick. We said a moment ago, this was not the cream of the crop, the best of the best. This would have been the very dregs of society that would have been gathered on that hillside today. Uh, Listen, every manner of sickness, every manner of infirmity, every manner of disease and brokenness would have been cataloged and displayed and manifest on that hill that day. And when the Lord looked around, He didn't see a bunch of holy people. He saw a bunch of hurting people. We look around at the world around us. We're living in a hurting world. We're living in a broken world. We're living in a sin-sick world. We're living in a world that, hey, without Jesus Christ, it's going to keep on hurting. It's going to keep on suffering. It's going to keep on dying. We live in a world that needs Jesus Christ. 
it was a helpless, a hurting world. But notice, not only was it a hurting world, Mark reveals to us it was a hungry world. Mark chapter 6 says this, verse 35, When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. Now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Sounds like a bunch of Baptists to me, amen? Showed up and expect somebody to feed them. Somebody say amen to that. They show up on this day and they have followed Jesus out into the wilderness. And at least one young man had sense enough to bring a lunch. But it would appear that the vast multitude of people there on that day had nothing to provide for themselves. And now the day is far spent. The night is stealing on. Their hunger is nagging at them. And they are in need of something. The darker it gets, the hungrier they get. The longer it takes, the hungrier they get. Can I tell you, we're living in a hungry world. We're living in a world that knows it needs something. We're living, are you listening to me tonight? I told you up at the camp, they listen a little bit better than you do down here in the city, alright? you got to help me a little bit in the preaching if you want that camp preaching. I'm just telling you, we're living in a hungry world. We're living in a world that needs something. It knows it needs something. It don't know what it needs. It's groping. It's grasping. It's trying to figure out what it means. It's running to this political Savior and that political Savior. It's running to this cultural revolution and that cultural revolution. It's running to this cult and and ideology and that cult and that ideology. And the world just looks like it's flipping and flopping and rocking and reeling and boiling and rolling. And you say, preacher, why is that? Because it is. Because it's hungry. They know something's missing. Man, they know something's wrong. You can walk up and down the streets if you ever care enough to do it and witness to people. And they won't sit there pretending like everything's okay in their life. They'll admit to you they need something. They just don't know what they need. They'll tell you that. That's why when you start to witness to people, it's amazing to me. Uh, we start to witness to people, and, and all of a sudden we come back with all these new prayer requests. You ever notice that? You start witnessing to people, and people, uh, even you give them the gospel, even if they don't receive the truth of the gospel, they'll say, um, pray for my grandson, he's in jail. Pray for, pray for my nephew, he's having heart surgery. Hey, hey, listen, pray, pray for, pray for my, my, my son, he's going through a divorce. Hey, hey, pray for my neighbor, uh, she just lost her husband. And over and over again, why is that? The world knows it's got problems, it just don't know the answer. What a shame that we're sitting around with the answer! And a world groping for an answer to its problems. It was a, hurting world. It was a hungry world. But then I would say this, it was a helpless world. Verse 5, the Bible says, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Listen to Philip's answer. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Now, I don't know how much 200 penny worth of bread is, uh, I know that it's 20% less than it was when Biden took office. Amen. But I, but I, I, I don't know how much 200 penny worth of, of bread is. Uh, it seems to sound to me, it may be a lot, it may be a little, but it wasn't enough. And Philip, he says, hey, listen, uh, e- even if we took every resource we have, it wouldn't be enough. 
If we gathered, took a collection, gathered all the money we could, if we bought every crumb of bread available, it still wouldn't be enough. What's Philip saying? Philip's saying we're helpless. We have no answer. We have no solution. If somebody doesn't do something miraculous, we're going to starve out here. Can I remind you, hey, listen, listen to me, young person, you're living in a helpless world. You're living in a world that don't have an answer. They don't have a solution. They've tried everything they can try. All they've done is broke it worse than it was in the first place. They've tried to find some solution. They've tried it through education, and we've only got dumber. They've tried it through social renovation, and we've only got more antisocial. They've tried it through economic renovation, and we've only got poor. Every time the world puts its hands on the problem of the human suffering condition, all it does is make it worse because the only answer and the only hope and the only help comes through Jesus Christ. It was all getting worse. It wasn't getting better until Jesus came along. And in the midst of this hopeless situation, here walks up this young boy. We don't know his name. We don't know about his family. We don't know his history. We don't know what tribe he was a part of. We don't know what he'll go on to do. We don't know what the rest of his life would be. We have this little snapshot of time. Young person, let me just make this statement in passing because i got to preach in a hurry. But you know, that's often the greatest moments in our life is not an unbroken record of greatness. But it often is a glimpse in time when in simple obedience we allow God to use our life. And you say, you say, preacher, God could never use me in that way. Sure, if God could use this young man, He could use your life. Well, preacher, I'd have to do something great, something spectacular. I'd probably have to go to Bible college and get a degree or two. I'd, I'd probably have to, to uh, go to, to, to master's uh, school and, and get a master's degree. And I'd probably have to do a bunch of great things and long training. Well, you know, this boy didn't do any of that. All he did was walk up to Jesus and offer his lunch. It was little, but we learn in this passage that little is much when God has control of it. You might be sitting here, young person, thinking, what a big broken world I'm living in. I could never make a difference. But I want to show you from this passage that if you'll put your life in the Lord's hands, God can literally transform the world around you through your obedience. You see, this lunch in many ways reminds us of this boy's life. And inasmuch as it reminds us of this boy's life, it reminds us of our life as well. Think with me a moment about the meaning of this lunch. The Bible says in verse number 9, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? We look at that passage of Scripture. We look at the, the symbolism of this lunch that this boy brings and gives to Jesus. And it might just seem like a simple lunch, but you ain't hungry. Can I tell you, if you'd been there on this day, that lunch would have looked mighty good. You might not even be a fan of fish. Amen. Uh, You might not even be a fan of bread. I'll pray for you if that's true about you. But when you're on the hillside and you're so hungry that you're getting ready to faint in the way, that lunch would have looked awful good to you. 
In fact, one of the concerns that the disciples have is not just that somebody might go away hungry, but that they are so far out into the wilderness that if these people attempt and try to go back home without any sustenance, without any energy, without any fuel for their body, that they'll fall out in the way, that they'll die out there in the wilderness, that they'll succumb to exposure and to the conditions around them. And when this boy comes up and gives his lunch to Jesus, he's not just giving his lunch to Jesus, he's giving his life to Jesus. That lunch could have made the difference between life and death to him, but he wants Jesus to have it nonetheless. Notice a few simple thoughts about this. Number one, this meal, it was a precious meal. It was his life's strength. It may have not looked like much on that hillside teeming with humanity and with desperate need, But to him, it was the difference between life and death. To him, it was the very sustenance of his life. To him, it meant the ability to make it home, to live another day, and to go on surviving and thriving in life. And he takes all that that is and all that that means and puts it in the hands of Jesus. You know, young person, if God's going to use your life, you're going to have to put it in his hands. If God's going to do something with your life, you're going to have to put it in His hands. And you might look at it and say, well, preacher, it's not very much. I'm just a little boy. I'm just a little girl. Hey, and by the way, those of you uh, with a little snow on top, you're still just a little boy too. You're just a little old boy. And you're just, you're, listen, you, you ladies, you're, you're, listen, you're still just a little girl. You're just a little old girl. Amen. And, and you may look at your life and think, what is my life? It's insignificant. It can't mean much. It means more to me than it means to the world around me. Hey, it may be true that it means more to you than it means to the world around you. But obviously, when we look at Calvary, we learn that it means even more to God than it does to us. You say, preacher, would God want my life? Oh, yes, He'd want your life. So much so that if you'd been the only person, He would have went to the cross of Calvary and died in your place. And when this young man brings this lunch to Jesus, everybody else may have snickered. Everybody else may have scoffed. Everybody else may have sort of laughed and thought, well, how precious and how cute. But oh my, I bet they're glad he did it when Jesus started breaking those loaves. Can I say often, and, and I, I think, I don't think we have this in our church. I mean, I just really, I, I don't for the most part. I hope we don't anyways. Uh, but sometimes there can be this sort of cynical attitude about church camp. And especially with adults, sometimes they can have this attitude about church camp, like, oh, well, you know, it's just it's just camp religion. They'll get over it, you know. And uh, let me just say, if I hear any of that language, I hit you right in the nose. Man, these kids don't need to hear that on top of all that the world's pouring into their ears. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of times there can be sort of this cynicism in this attitude towards, towards you know, you know camp. And, and I, you know, I just think to myself... I bet there was a lot of snickering and eye rolling when that boy brought that brought that thing up to up to Jesus. But I bet nobody was laughing when Jesus started breaking it and feeding five thousand. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm sure I grew up in a Bible believing church, and I grew up we had we had I grew up in a Christian school. I grew up in 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 church. I grew up in children's church, and I remember growing up in children's. Every week I go to children's church. You know, I'm sure there are some of them that probably sat around, looked at that children's church, and thought, "Oh, that ain't no big deal." Hey, listen, oh, that ain't that ain't no big thing. I mean, you know, I, that, that, they're wasting their time in there with the songs and their lessons and their skits, and I mean, it's just, that ain't no big deal. But hey, listen, they wasn't snickering when I was in the hospital visiting their kids. 
They want not snickering now that their kids are coming and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me just say, listen, in our life, we may look at it and think that's a small thing. But when it's your grandkids getting born again as a result of that, it ain't going to be a small thing. And it might be easy to look at that church camp and, ah, that ain't no, ah, that's just a small thing. You wait till it's your grandbaby sitting up in here in the choir saying it was on a Tuesday night that I got born again. And you'll find that it ain't a small thing when you put it in Jesus' hands. Hey, listen, it was a precious meal. Let me say number two, it was a paltry meal. See, without Jesus, it wasn't much. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love my King James Bible. Amen. It's the Word of God for us English-speaking people. And I, I like the biblical precedent that is set in verse number 11 when it says that He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes. And this is biblical right here, as much as they would. Amen. That's biblical. That's a biblical precedent for an all-you-can-eat buffet. Somebody say amen to that. I like it. I don't know how many loaves of bread and fishes it'd take to feed a boy of this age, however old that he was. But I'll tell you this, it, 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 if it hadn't got into Jesus' hands, it wouldn't have been much. You see, it only became much when it got put in Jesus' hands. Hey, listen, young people, if you want, you can keep your life in your hands. Keep your lunch in your lunchbox. That's fine. You can do that. And, you know, you'll, you'll grow up. You'll go to school somewhere. You'll get a degree of some kind, maybe, if that's even worth anything. Uh, spend the next 85 years of your life trying to pay back the loans for that valuable degree that you got. And, and, and you'll spend your days, you'll, you'll buy a boat, and you'll buy a camper, and you'll buy a home, and it'll be smaller than your parents bought and smaller than your grandparents bought, but you'll buy it nonetheless. And, and you'll have some semblance of a life. And, and you'll go through and you'll keep your lunch nice and tidy in that little lunchbox. And it'll never do anything other than feed you. And really, to be honest, sooner or later, it ain't even going to feed you. I mean, he, he could have kept it in his lunchbox, but how little it would have done. It was a paltry meal in and of itself. And, and, and I will say this, young person, your flesh is not lying to you when it says you're not much. You're not much. The point is, none of us are much without Jesus because he makes all the difference. It was a precious meal. It was a paltry meal. Let me say it was a personal meal. It was not meant in its original capacity to feed the whole hillside. And had he wanted to, nobody would have stolen that food from him. I don't think Jesus would have let him. I think he had to come and give it of his own accord if Jesus was going to take it. And can I say this? Hey, nobody could have given his meal for him. He had to make the decision to give it himself. One of the things we always tell young people up at church camp is, is, and they're there, you know, they're away from their parents, they're away from their Sunday school teachers, they're away from their, from their pastors. And one of the things we always try to stress to them is, nobody can make you get saved. You have to make that choice yourself. And likewise, nobody can make you serve God. You've got to make that choice yourself. It is a pers- it's not a private decision, but it is a personal decision. Nobody can make that choice but you. It was a precious meal. It was a paltry meal. It was it, it was a personal meal. But then let me notice this. It was a passing meal. You see, here's the truth. If he had went and sat down under a tree and ate that meal, he would have felt good for a little while. But eventually his stomach would have rumbled again. That was just one of hundreds of meals, thousands of meals, maybe millions of meals that he would have eaten in his life. 
And it was just a simple passing meal that in and of itself did not mean very much. Can I say, young person, this life and the life that you have, the life, as Paul says, that we now live in the flesh, this earthly sojourn, it's a passing thing. If all we wanted to do is ride in the lunchbox of our life and give us something to munch on for our earthly sojourn, then that's what it'll do and it won't mean much beyond that. But Jesus wants it to mean more than just that. He wants your life to have an eternal impact. Hey, we're still eating this boy's fish and bread today. So what do you mean, preacher? God's still using it in our hearts today. God's still working on our lives today because He gave it to Jesus. But had He kept it to Himself and ate it, it would have filled His belly for a little while, then gone away, and nobody would have got help. Young person, if you live your life for your own consumption, it will give you some measure of of pleasure for a little while, but it won't help nobody, and it won't mean much in eternity. I see the meaning of the lunch in this passage. But let me say a word about the message of the lad. Now, this little boy does not say anything. We have no record of any message that he gave. But his act of giving his lunch was a message in and of itself. We don't know much about him. But from this simple act, we can understand how he felt about Jesus. You see, what you do with the lunch of your life tells us what you feel and how you think about Jesus. What was the message of him giving this lunch? Well, let me, number one, dispel what I think is a wrong perspective about this passage. And and I'll admit to you, growing up, I, I probably thought this way. I don't know. Some of you youngsters, some of you adults may think of it this way. That everybody was sitting on the hillside. And this little boy said, well... If everybody's going to get fed, Jesus is going to have to perform a miracle and He can't do that without bread and fish. So I better take my meal to Jesus so that He can break it and distribute it to all these people so that they can eat. And that's sort of how I thought of it. But you know, that don't make no sense. Uh, Most of my thoughts don't make no sense. Somebody say amen. (laughs) He didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Moreover, He wasn't bringing that and giving it to Jesus because he thought, well, obviously Jesus will perform this miracle and will do all... That's not what he was thinking. You know what he was thinking, though? Everybody was standing around talking about how hungry they were. And I think this little boy sat around and thought, you know, I wonder if Jesus is hungry. Everybody was sitting around going, what are we going to do for food? Man, nobody brought anything. and nobody, Nobody brought any victuals. Nobody brought anything to eat. Nobody brought any supplies. What are we going... And that little boy was sitting there and he was thinking... I wonder if anybody brought anything for Jesus to eat. And here's what I think he thought to himself when he brought that little lunch. I don't think he expected Jesus to take that and feed 5,000. I think he expected Jesus to take that and feed himself with it. And I think he said this simple thing. If anybody eats today, it ought to be Jesus. If anybody goes hungry today, it shouldn't be him. If I go hungry, that's okay. Now remember, this could have meant life and death to him. And he's saying, I'll give up my life if it pleases Jesus. If nobody eats today, we ought to make sure that Jesus eats because he's worthy and he deserves it. You know what he was doing when he gave him this lunch? He was giving him the preeminence in his life. He was saying, he's the most important. He ought to eat. He's the most precious. He ought to eat. 
He's the most important and the most holy and the most righteous and the most deserving. And if nobody else eats today, we ought to make sure Jesus eats. Hey, listen, I ain't wrote the book on how to have good church, but God's blessed our church. And, and, and we don't have a hard time worshiping the Lord around here. And, and, and I've had pastors sometimes comment to me about what liberty there is at our church and what a great church that we have. And can I tell you the honest truth, church? You know how we have good church? When we all come in here and we say, you know, if nobody, if nobody's pleased with what happens today, as long as Jesus is pleased, I'm pleased. You know, God will show up in a church like that. If we'll come in and we'll say, you know, if, if nobody gets their way today, but as long as Jesus gets His way today, then we'll be satisfied. Jesus will show up in a situation like that. And this little lad comes and he says, if nobody else eats, Jesus ought to eat. You know why you give your life to Christ? Not because you know He's going to use you to shape the world. Uh, he may, He may not. In a visible sense. You don't give it to Jesus because you know He's going to do great, wonderful miracles in your life. That may not be His will. You know why you give your heart and your life to Jesus? Because He deserves it. Because He's owed it. It don't matter what He does with it. He's owed it. And you ought to give it to Him. I think He gave Him the preeminence. But then notice in this, number two, He gave Him the sustenance. He put His lunch, and in doing so, He put His life in Jesus' hands. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, you deserve all that I have. Can I tell you something, young person? God don't just deserve your Sundays. God don't just deserve your Wednesdays. God don't just deserve your camp week. God don't just deserve your youth event night. God don't just deserve your VBS week. He deserves every moment of your life. Hey, listen, adult, God don't just deserve your Sundays. He deserves every day. God don't just... Hey, He don't even just deserve that 15 minutes of devotional time. He deserves your everything. And when He gave this to Jesus, He was saying, all that I am and all that I have, I give to Jesus. Because I'm His and He's owed it. He gave Him the sustenance. But then I would say this. He gave Him the deference. Some of you young people, you may not know what that word deference means. It means this, he deferred to him. Or he gave him the choice. He let him make the decision. He gave him the right away in the situation. In other words, in giving him this lunch, he trusted Jesus to do the right and best thing with it. By the way, he had no promises. He had no guarantees. All he knew was that Jesus deserved this lunch and he didn't want Jesus to go hungry. And you know, in doing that, (laughs) I might get a little help here. Hey, you know, sometimes we think in our life that this thing is a bargain, like a negotiation. And we think, well, God's made me certain assurances, and if I if I serve Him in a certain way, then He's promised me all these things. I was thinking about this when Miss Hannah was giving her testimony up here, and she was talking about how when she first came to, to camp, she got saved on a Wednesday night before church camp. She'd come to get an application. Go, We did paper applications back then in the Stone Age, and she'd come to get one. And and, and uh, she, she came in on Wednesday night, fell under conviction, got born again. And uh, and then she's been coming to camp ever since, amen. She just ain't been over, able to get over it. So, uh, And she was talking about that, and she said, Now, here I am, and I'm married and got two kids and a baby. And I thought to myself, Heaven help, I hope people don't think we're promising that as a part of the package deal. 
Listen, we promise you three hots and a cot and a Bible. Amen? Just like the U.S. penal system does. We ain't promising you love and happiness and a happy ending. All right? Uh, uh, we ain't promising that everything's going to be happily ever after for the rest of your days if you come to church camp. And sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, uh, w- when we come to God and when we surrender our life to Him, well, He's promised us all these different things. But you know, the truth is, you go and you look at the life, the testimony of saints, and, and you look at, at the testimony of believers that you know personally, and, and it's a mixed bag. Man, there's some people, uh, it's like they live a charmed life. We call that a blessed life. And then others, their road is rocky and it's beset with clouds and, and pitfalls and valleys and suffering and problems. And here's what God promises. If you'll give Him your life, He'll do better with it than you ever would. When He gave this lunch to Jesus, He didn't know what Jesus was going to do with it, but He knew He'd do the right thing with it. And young person, listen, if you'll give your life to Christ, He'll do the right thing with it. I see the meaning of the lunch and the message of the lad, but then notice finally the miracle of the Lord. I'm not going to belabor it, but let me just notice a few things here. Look at verse 11. I like this phrase, Jesus took the loaves. I want you to notice, when this boy brought his lunch to Jesus, Jesus took it readily. He didn't say, well, don't you have more? He didn't say, well, that's not really my favorite. He didn't say, well, why don't you come and bring it to me hot instead of cold? Instead, when he brings it to Jesus and says, this is what I have, Jesus says, thank you, son. I can do something with that. Listen, young person, can I say, you bring your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll accept it. He'll use it. If we come in sincerity and obedience to him, if we come and say, Lord, here's my life, use it uh, unto thee and unto thy glory, then he'll take it readily. Not only did he take it readily, Mark says it in real clear terms. Mark 6.41 says this, When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed, break the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before him. The two fish divided him among them all. Let me say, not only did he take it readily, but he broke it repeatedly. See, that bread couldn't help nobody unless it was broken. It had to be broken. Then it had to be broken again. Then it had to be broken again. Then it had to be broken again. By my count, no less than 5,000 times he broke that bread on that hillside that day. And likely it was more 20, 25, 30,000 times that he just kept breaking and breaking and breaking. The funny thing about it, every time he broke it, it fed more people. Can I say, young person, you give your life to Jesus Christ. He's not promised you a smooth journey every step of the way. And in fact, what he'll do is he'll take your life and sometimes he'll allow trials and he'll allow problems. Sometimes he'll allow failure and he'll allow difficulty. And through that process, he'll take and he'll break your life. But every time he breaks it, he's not making it less. Hey, he's making it more. Every time he breaks it, he's not diminishing it. He's multiplying it. Every time he breaks it, hey, he's not starving you. He's feeding somebody else. And he'll use your life to the glory of God. See, he he took it readily. I see he broke it repeatedly. But then I see he multiplied it miraculously. I like it. We already said it. This is the theme verse of Walridge Baptist Church. Verse 11. Of the fishes as much as they would. (laughs) 
In other words, he didn't he didn't spread around and say, all right, now you take a little piece, you take a little corner piece of that bread and 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 and, and somebody else and say, all right, you, you take just a little bitty bite of that fish. He said, load your plate up. We got plenty. Go ahead and load your plate up. In other words, Jesus wasn't nervous about running out of food that day. He knew if there was a need of more, why well, he'd just make more. If there was a need of more, why well, he'd just multiply it again. I'm always astounded and, and proud and, and, and a little surprised and impressed by our kitchen workers every year at camp because, man, our kids at camp, they're eaters. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they eat. Like they ain't, they, they start, they, it, it makes you a little nervous, right? Because they're, they're we'll, we'll, at camp we'll have, everybody will come through the line. And once everybody's come through the line, then afterwards we'll have, have, what do we have, kids? Yeah, yeah see, they know. And the way they know it's time for seconds, they'll get fussed at if they go back up the line before it's been announced. But Brother Larry, he'll come up and he'll go, seconds! And then all the kids will run up there. But something I started noticing, like throughout the week, like I'd look up there and the kids, they're up there, they're like, they're like wolves, they're pacing. <laughs> and they ain't in the line yet because they're not allowed to be. They're just like they're up there and they just, they got a plate in their hand and they're just sort of pacing, you know. And they're just waiting to hear it. And they got that hungry look in their eyes. It's scary, really, to be honest with you. Like if enough of them got together, they might just eat you. Amen. And they're just pacing back and forth, you know. And they're just, they're, they're waiting. And it's amazing, man. Those kitchen workers, I mean, everybody gets fed till they're about to pop. And there's always plenty. And there's always more. We've never had a moment where we couldn't feed a kid. And it's almost like, and I'll go in, I'll ask Brother Larry. I'll say, we doing all right? Oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we got plenty. Yeah, everything's all right. And it's like anytime there's a need, man, there's just always, they just multiply it miraculously. Nobody has to go away hungry. Nobody has to go away without being fed. You know what God can do with your life? He can take your life, and it may not seem like much. And let me just raise a hand in testimony. My life is not much. I'm nobody. Listen, I'm an uneducated nobody that has no business doing what I'm doing. But I look at what God has done through my life and through your life. I think about all that God's done through this little church. You understand, we ain't nobody here. We're a little church over here on the edge of the city of Knoxville. Well, we ain't nobody. But we can tell you person after person and life after life that God has radically transformed and changed. We can tell you about people who have fallen under the sound of the gospel of Jesus Christ and God has saved them and changed their lives and transformed. You say, preacher, what is that? That's Him taking us, breaking us, and making a miraculous meal out of us. You'd be amazed what He could do. Notice verse 11. i got to hurry. The Bible says this, He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Notice He distributed it deliberately. Say, so what do you mean, preacher? He had a place for it. He didn't just say, well, just throw it out there. He didn't say, we're doing this buffet style. Come get it if you want. He told the disciples, he said, I want you to go to place, to place, to place. And I want you to feed those people out there. Preacher, what, what do you mean? What are you getting at? Well, I'm saying this. He had a specific place he wanted that food took to. He had a plan for it. Can I say, young person, he's got a plan for your life. He's not just casting you out like bread upon waters. He is with surgical precision distributing your life exactly where it needs to be. Put it in His hands. He knows what He's doing. And then I like verse 12. The Bible says this, When they were filled, He said unto His disciples, 
Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. My pastor growing up used to make this point. It's, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not in your Bible, but I do think it makes good Bible sense. Well, the simple question, what they do with all that? I mean, what they do? They had 12 baskets left of what they do with all that? My pastor was of the opinion, I, I agree with him about this. The Bible says this, if we give to the Lord, He'll give unto us, pressed down, shaken together, above measure. And I'll tell you what I think you'd have seen as the sun set on that day. I think you'd have seen a little boy walking down the road and 12 big burly disciples walking behind them, each carrying a basket of fish and bread. I can imagine the look on his mama and daddy's face when he got home and opened the front door. And then in come these men carrying these baskets of food and sits down in the living room. And his mama looks at him and says, Son, what'd you do? He says, I gave Jesus my lunch. And when I did, this is what he gave back to me. Let me say this. He returned it abundantly. That boy didn't go home with less bread and fish. He went home with more bread and fish. Preacher, I'm afraid if I give my life to Jesus, it just won't be much of a life. It'll be boring. I'll spend all my time going to revival and church and sitting around listening to the Sunday school teaching. I want to get out and I want to be, I want to experience life. I want to be an exciting person, live an exciting life. I'll tell you this, you give your life to Jesus Christ, you'll have an exciting life. You'll have a precious life. You'll have a wonderful life. Hey, listen, there ain't a single person that will be able to look at God and say, I gave you everything, you didn't give me nothing back. Every one of us, when we look at Jesus, when we get to heaven, will have to say in honesty and sincerity, Lord, you gave me more than I ever gave you. Hey, listen, God will be a debtor to no man. And Jesus gave this boy more than this boy ever gave to him. And young person, you want a blessed life. You want a wonderful life. You want a life worth living and telling your grandkids about. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Put your lunch in His hands. And He'll do miraculous things with it. Let's bow together tonight. A musician's going to come play. The altar's open. I like our camp kids because they know they don't have to wait for the first note to be played. If God dealt with their heart, they just go ahead and get out of the seat and meet God in the altar. And I love that, man. I think that's good. Some of us adults ought to learn from that. And if God spoke to your heart about some matter, you might have given most of your lunch, but you might have looked down in your lunchbox. There sets the Tootsie Roll. You never did give that to God. There sets the pudding cup. You never did give that to God. Some little area of your life that you thought, well, I'll keep this to myself. This is a small thing. And the, the Spirit of God smote your heart tonight and said, oh, no, give Him everything. Don't give Him just some things. Don't give Him just most things. Give Him everything. Won't you meet God in the altar and give your whole life and lunch to Him tonight? Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Melissa's playing. The altar's open. God touched your heart. Would you meet Him down here? He's got a will away, a purpose and a plan for your life. Do you know for sure you've put your life in His hands? If you're here lost tonight, oh my, I can't think of a better service 
get it settled in than camp service. You might be an adult here. If you were to be honest with yourself and honest with the Lord, you'd have to admit that you're lost. That if you died, you don't know where you'd go, or you do know, you'd die in your sins, go to hell. If that's you, would you slip your hand up let me pray for you? I won't embarrass you, but I will pray for you. Might be a young person. Say, preacher, I waited and put it off all camp week. If I died, I'd die without Christ. I don't want to. I want to be saved. If that's you, would you slip your hand up right where you're at? Whether you're out in the pews, whether you're here in the altar, by raising your hand, you're confessing yourself a sinner, saying, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Won't you slip your hand up? Let us pray with you. Miss Meg, pray with that little hand right beside you. The altar's open. God touched your heart. Would you slip out of your seat? God touched your heart. Would you meet Him in this altar? If you need to be saved, would you meet Him in this altar? The Lord will save you tonight. He won't make you wait till camp next year. He won't make you wait till church next Sunday or this Wednesday. He'll save you tonight if you'll come to Him. Young person, if you'll give your heart and life to Christ, He'll do more with it than you ever could have dreamed. Up at church camp, we don't get in no hurry. 
we just let the young people pray till God's done with them. And uh, maybe that's part of the reason God works the way He does, is we don't try to put Him on a schedule. You know, we're just, we ain't there to get out, we're, we're there to get in. We don't try to rush these young people so they know they can pray as long as they need. They know they don't have to get up and go nowhere. They can just meet with the Lord, pray as long as they need to. Normally at camp, what we'll do is we'll just dismiss quietly when there's some in the altar. So we do have a time of fellowship over in our life center. And uh, we encourage you to hang around. We'll have ice cream over there and give the kids an opportunity to spend time together. But we're going to sort of just dismiss quietly like we've done in the past. These can pray as long as they need to at the altar. Please be respectful. And if you want to stand around and talk, do it outside or slip over better even yet to our life center. And I do want to thank all you parents for investing in our camp and through your prayers, through your giving and trusting us with your young people. It's a high privilege for God to use us to work in their lives. Father, bless the remainder of our time. I pray that you'd move and work in hearts and lives, going not just in these services that we've had, but Lord, let this not be an end but a beginning. Father, bless our time of fellowship together, and may we please you in all that we do, in Jesus' name. Miss Melissa is going to keep playing. You're at liberty. You're dismissed. You can slip over to Life Center. These can pray long as they need to.